Welcome back to episode 45. Woo! 45 of Coffee in Christ. It might sound a little weird, a little different in here. Working out the quirks, because we're in our new office studio. It's quite nice. It's cool. It's very cool. We had to turn off the air conditioning because it sounded like a fighter jet in here. But yeah, it was quite loud in the small room. But, speaking of sound, it's very, it's, you know, we don't have any background sound. You usually hear Ty, you know, taking a shower or the washing machine running or the, the icebox churning. <laughs> but uh, now it's, you know, right now it's just our echo. But we got, Dylan got some foam pads and we're going to put them up later. Just that we'll go ahead and give her a shot. Yeah, for sure. It's nice. I like it a lot. Clean walls. To think, Sorry. To think about not something that put a scuff on the wall no, already. But we are sitting in what used to be a porch. Mm-hmm. Covered porch. Yes. Still has the ceiling to prove it. It's true. <laughs> but it looks good, though. We it, like it. It does. They did a really good job in here. Yeah. Really good job. I just wanted to like see if we can like hear it like background. Noise. I hear nothing. I was like, it does really good in here. It's just we have nothing on the walls, so we have to work on just kind of like consuming the sound somewhere. So until the until the phone gets up, it might be a little echoey. So we apologize, but Dylan, I think it'll be fine. How are you? Great. Great week so far. Great two weeks. We've not talked in two whole weeks. Yeah, we found out the last podcast episode did not post, so it's been. Three weeks. Three weeks. <laughs> but everything is great. Life is great. Everything's well, swell. The week has gone well. Getting hot now. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> we went to Oklahoma. We go to Oklahoma again. For the twice last time. Since we've spoken twice. Yeah. But for the last time. Hopefully. Hopefully. Right? Last time. Hopefully. Nothing, nothing else to do down there. No. So yeah, that's me. So everything's great. So far, what about you, Jackson? Sorry, I had to take off my... I'll pull over. Week's been great. I finally passed... Well, I did finally, but I passed my anatomy physiology test. I'm little... I got a lot of stuff to, to do because, you know... We'll have this episode, and then we'll have another one, and then we'll be on a break again because we're going to Mexico. That's true. Um, the twenty fourth through the first, so uh, super excited about that. But we'll just stay tuned for that. I don't know uh, what kind of episode after that that will be, but uh, yeah. But stay tuned for that. Um, but the week's been great. Very blessed. Stay blessed. And uh, <laughs> did you say you wanted to start using that more often? No, I. You don't say. So, what'd you say? I said stay blessed. Oh, you just... Uh, sorry, I'm trying to clean my... I, I didn't cut my fingernails. And it looks yeah. like I've been digging in the garden. I don't know where... Anyway, that's what I was doing. But, no, I... In Oklahoma, you ask somebody how they are, they're like, well, I'm blessed. So, you that's just... Right. You know, and you say be blessed. Be blessed, not don't, stay blessed. That sounds... We, that's Bruno Mars. That's a Bruno Mars. But story. you just say, you just like, you know, when you leave, instead of saying, have a good day, just be blessed. Well, that's really good. Be blessed. I think stay blessed is like a, 
Bruno Mars lyric or something like that. I don't know. I don't know either. It sounded weird. It sounded quite weird. Sorry. Won't happen again. Be blessed. Don't be. Don't stay blessed. Anywho, we'll get right into it then. Matthew chapter 26. We ended with uh, the institution of the Lord's Supper. And now we're going to get as far as we can, but we're going to be reading and starting in verse 30. So if you've got your Bibles turned there. You want to start? Me start? Yeah, you go for it. Okay, verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. So I think this, just these little five verses right here really shows the, you know, the, a very important nature that we need to understand about our relationship with Jesus. You know, the disciples right here are going to reject the Messiah during his greatest moment of need, and yet Jesus is not going to reject them. He just says that. He just said that. You know, and, you know, we could see this if we focus on Peter. You know, Peter here speaks up about his undying support and commitment to Jesus. And, you know, Peter was making a point, and I imagine he had every intention of keeping this promise to Jesus. And, you know, it's all the same for all of us. But, you know, yet many times, as Peter did, we all fall short of keeping our end of the deal. You know, in Peter's case, he promised that he could resist any force. Uh, that might come in between a him and you know demanding that he reject Jesus, and he underestimated his fear, you know, his, and overestimated his willingness to suffer with Jesus. You know, Peter makes makes a promise that he couldn't keep, and he denies him three times within an hour. Just when we're about to read that here soon, you know, and so why is this just like a, such a powerful example of hope for every believer? You know, Peter is a perfect example of what happens when our faithfulness falls short. You know, despite our best intentions, we too depart from Jesus routinely, uh, you know, both in action and words. You know, we say we love Jesus, we'll follow and obey him, and then we spend the rest of our lives doing pretty much the opposite. You know, these are drastic terms, but, you know, in times of stress, we can even, you know, come to denying that we know Christ maybe, or rather that we rather than face the consequences of our faith, uh, this is the, the reality of, of the flesh. It's weak. Uh, you know, we're prone to wandering off. And as Christians and, and people who aren't Christians, this is, you know, a plain statement that we are not ever truly 100% faithful to Jesus. We, we will disobey, you know, we, even though we have best intentions not to. We will give in to the world, any worldly thoughts, behaviors. We all live in the flesh sometimes. I think this is Peter who we learned earlier that, you know, in the church that the rock that a rock of the early church, this man who walked with Jesus in person for three years, you know, this disciple rejected Jesus mere hours after promising that he wouldn't. You know, in that moment, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, my salvation doesn't rest on my faithfulness to Jesus, you know, but on Christ's faithfulness to me. Uh, I, di- I didn't obtain salvation on my own strength, on my own doing. It, it's a gift, a gift of grace from God. You know, Jesus does it all. He's my sanctification, my redemption, my righteousness, my Savior. In Peter's case, 
Christ promised he would have the keys to the kingdom. He would lead the church, he would, and he would meet him again in Galilee after he abandoned Jesus and would later join Jesus in heaven. These words came from Jesus, the mouth of God, and nothing in the universe is more powerful than the word of God. So, you know, that, that even when we disobey Jesus or, or walk away from him, the Lord remains, faith, remains faithful. And why? Because Jesus died to make forgiveness possible. You know, I think a big problem, or, or maybe especially in the modern-day church, that um, that we see this problem is so many people have confused, and we've talked about this before, but so many people have confused what a relationship with Christ looks like. They confine Jesus to a building and a time, and that's it. They can find Jesus to wherever you choose to go to church, to worship, and they put him in a box, per se. Excuse me. I think I'm really loud. I'm trying to adjust my microphone. Very loud. That's better. That's better. Um, but they, they, they put Jesus in this box and say, you know, well, Jesus is present. Um... Sunday morning and Sunday night and for some people Wednesdays really even for some people Sunday nights and and that's that's totally wrong and that's what we see in the modern day world which leads to this problem you know Jesus isn't I'm going to burst the bubble here you know Jesus is here the spirit is here when we're all together but the spirit is also present everywhere you are. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus dwells within you. The spirit dwells within Christians. And we say, you know, Sundays and Wednesdays and, and whatever, when we're at church, we say that we are we are on fire for Christ or and we're we're here and, and we wanna learn more about him, we wanna be his follower and we wanna but then Monday night you lose your faithfulness to Christ. Because it's not Sunday. It's not Wednesday. We're not having a retreat. It's not a special event at the church. And so we get in our mind that, hey, we don't have to do any of that stuff. It's, it's Monday night or it's Tuesday night. And we make decisions that show unfaithfulness to Christ. And that's what I think, and that this is strictly my opinion, but I just think that modern-day Christians have got this all of it wrong and they're confining Christ and then we make decisions that just aren't right and you know you have Peter who and as Jackson said it should give us hope because we see Peter that's made all these mistakes and we see that Peter has you know countless times before this lost faithfulness and Jesus had to to rescue him and that happens to me every day. That happens to everybody, every Christian, every day. And that's what kind of what Jackson was alluding to when it comes to, you know, thank, thank goodness that our faithfulness isn't just on our terms. Because if you rely on people, at some point, they're going to fail. You know, I don't care who they are. I, I, me, anybody. If you rely strictly on a human being... It's not going to end well. It's not going to, 
you know, they're going to make a decision. They're going to do something at some point to not be faithful. And Jesus, he extends that grace. He extends the, the faithfulness to us when we're making those decisions. And, and that, to some people, would mean that, well, we don't have to, we don't have to be faithful then. If he's just going to meet us three quarters of the way. And because of that statement, I disagree. Because that should make you, to me, want to be even more faithful to Christ. Because if he's willing to meet you over halfway, then that should challenge us to be able to hold up our end of the deal. You know what I mean? And that's and so many people just get that wrong because they're confining Jesus. Christ is everywhere. The Spirit dwells in Christians. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is, it doesn't matter what time it is. Christ is is should be on the forefront of our mind. Not not perfection. He's not asking us to be perfect every day, but he's asking us to remain faithful. To make decisions that reflect Christ, to speak the way that reflects Christ to treat people that way and all these things and 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 again we'll read it maybe today of the outcome of that but when we know that Peter he looks at him and says I would never do that I would never deny you I would you know I'm a disciple and unfortunately he failed and we do that whether we're at a church retreat or whether we're in worship or or whatever, we're just on fire. I would never do anything. I would, I would never deny Christ in my life. And then we go out and do it. And so that's what again in just those those five verses that that lays it out. We'll keep reading here in in verse thirty six. But it says, and Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, "Sit here while I go over there and pray." And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and trouble, troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cut pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he said, and found, again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayer is at hand. So we have here Jesus entering the garden. And he brings Peter, James, and John and tells the others to, to wait at the entrance and pray. And I think it helps here if you just kind of imagine, um, you know, a distressed Jesus. You know, just as you would be if you you knew uh, you knew you were in his place and knew what was about to un- unfold. You know, in just a few hours, Jesus is going to endure the beatings and the, uh, the by the Roman soldiers and the scourging uh, often caused people to die you know, and have the crown of thorns placed on his head. And then he will be ca- forced to carry a beam of wood bearing down on his shredded skin. And, and of course, 
And of course, at the end of this torment, with him being nailed to the cross in excruciating pain, fighting for breath, you know, and we know these things happen because we read about them. And, and Jesus knew about them too. He knew what, was gonna, what it was going to look like, what it was going to feel like, and the result of it. And you know, the, the worst part is he could stop it. You know, he, he knew he could stop it. He knew what he knew that uh, he the power that he can hold that he could end his own torment at any time. You know, and can you imagine the the temptation that might you know that might be to, to say no? You know what? I don't want to experience this. I'd rather not. You know, and that's the state of Jesus we're seeing right here. You know, in Luke's gospel, it, it, he reports of him having a rare condition called hematohydrosis, which which is caused by extreme stress where small capillaries at the surface of your skin burst under pressure and blood seeps out of everywhere, basically sweating blood. This is what Jesus is going through mindset-wise as he's going to this garden to pray. You know, And you know, he goes a little farther after he tells you know, Peter and, uh, and James and, uh, to, and John to wait back. He goes a little farther and he prays. And he says that he would let this moment pass by him. You know, this moment is one of the clearest examples, in my opinion, of Jesus' humility. Uh, you know, there's no way a human being uh, could know what was going to happen, what was coming, and go into it without wishing it to go away. You know, Jesus knew the plan. He wrote the plan. You know, yet here he is asking God to change it if he willed to do so. And he goes on and, and he goes back, finds them sleeping, and wakes them up. And Jesus asks it again that if, that if the cup can't pass away, then the Father's will should be done. And, and this metaphor, you know, the cup is, the Bible describes as the wrath of God, is the wrath of God being filled up in this cup and poured out onto those who are deserving of it in the book of Revelations. And Jesus is using that same metaphor that the wrath of God is about to be poured out on him. He's going to receive the wrath of that God had preserved for all of those who come to faith uh, in Jesus. So the wrath that you and I deserve for our sins is, is being directed just to Jesus. You know, and the scene repeats a third time with Jesus walking up to the disciples. And Jesus reminds us here that our flesh is weak, you know, and, and everything. Can't even stay awake. You know? And then it, we find out in, in, as it closes with Judas arriving to, uh, to take Jesus away. Well, you know, and, and so many people, you know, I, I hope you understand the the magnitude and the power of, of the crucifixion itself. Just that moment when Jesus was, you know, led to the cross and all these things. But that's not even happened yet. And I want to talk about how significant is how significant it is. Um, that in verse thirty six, he says, "Sit here." while I go over here and pray, you know, and taking with him Peter to stand watch and all these, he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, remain here and watch with me. So he, he's taking, taking a step back, going off by himself, you know, doing what he needs to do to prepare for it. But in verse 39, he went a little, little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this pass cup from me let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
you know, we can say all that we want about Jesus not understanding the things that we go through and and what's the point in being a Christian because we're just set up for failure. You know, I've heard I've heard these things from people. And just this set of ten verses shows you what Jackson alluded to in Jesus' humility. You know, I've said prayers at night that probably don't even make sense. You know, I've said prayers at night that, that start with, dear God, and then there's a bunch of weird words in the middle, and then it's done. But there's also been prayers that I just say, help me. You know, I don't know what's going on. I, I don't know if anything I'm doing is right, but help me. And that's what Jesus is doing right here. He, he's with a sorrowful heart, and he prays, and he says, basically, if I don't have to do this, let it, I don't want to. You know, I, I don't want to experience what I'm about to, but he says, and, this, and I'm putting this in my own words, but, but if it can't, don't worry about what I want. I want to do your will. And that shows you not one time, but three different times that he goes to Christ and, and to God in prayer. And not even just nonchalantly like, you know, praying over food at a restaurant or, or whatever. I mean, falling on his face, sorrowful, sweating blood, talking to God and saying, I need help. I need you to help me. And so many people just want to say that, that God doesn't understand, that Jesus doesn't understand what we're going through. Yes, he does, because look what he's going through. And he's just saying, help. You know, what, and what can I do? What can I, what can I say? And, and, you know, there's so many people that, that don't pray or that don't have communication with God because they don't know what to say. And Jesus Christ, the Savior, is praying to him, and, and, and he's simply saying, help. And, guys, it doesn't matter if that's the only prayer that you pray. Sometimes we just need to say, help me. And, and there's so many excuses that people use as, as to why they don't do that. Because he wouldn't understand. Because he, you know, Jesus doesn't love me. He, I'm, too, I'm too gone. I'm too bad of a person to be a Christian or, or whatever. No, you're not. Because right here, Jesus is praying to his Father and saying, Help. I need your help. I want you to help. I, I want you to intervene. But you know what? Whatever you would have me to do, I'll do it. And I want you to, as we close out this, this section of Scripture, I want you to, to understand that Jesus is not showing a fault here, but he is being 100% vulnerable, not only to, to God, but to people around him. They obviously can see before they fell asleep could see that Jesus was troubled. He was sorrowful. He was upset. And it's okay to be that way. Even as a Christian, it's okay to be sorrowful. It's okay to be upset. It's okay. But you see how Christ deals with that. You see how, you know, but here's the reality of it. 
and I'm just as guilty as anybody, but when we pray to God, we, we have a habit of telling him, here's what I want to happen. Please help me make that happen. And it's not wrong to do that, but that's what we, we you know, and I, like I said, I'm just as guilty as anybody. You know, you have something, a big life event coming up or, you know, whatever. Please, please let, let whatever's happening in my life go the way it needs to go. But Jesus is saying here, and he's praying over something that is probably more powerful than anything we'll ever pray over. You know, one thing that, that I pray a lot here, like recently, is, you know, help me make good business decisions. Help me, that, and I, that makes me laugh because now Jesus is praying over his death. And he just says, but you know what? Whatever happens, I'm okay with because whatever happens is your will. How many times have we said that in a prayer? Probably never. Because we pray what we want. And so think about Jesus, who again has the power to do anything he wants. If he, if he truly wanted the cup to pass from him, he wouldn't have done it. He, he would have made it happen. Fill anybody in that place. You know, put anybody on the cross. Or I'm going to end the world right now. I don't want to do this. He had that power, but he's showing vulnerability to cry or to God and to to his fellow disciples by just saying, "Whatever you want, whatever whatever you want to do, is what I'm going to do." So that shows vulnerability. That shows respect to God, but it shows us more importantly that that Jesus understands our thoughts, understands what we're going through, understands our prayers. And never should we doubt if Christ understands. You know, there, there's been things, I mean, I've said it before. You know, you're going through something and someone says, well, pray about it. And I say, in my mind, why? Because God doesn't understand what I'm going through. Stop that thought there because he does. And he shows you that right here. So and then, like Jackson said, and he's telling the disciples, you know, uh, 45, um, came to them and said, sleep and take your rest later because now my betrayer is at hand. So Judas is, has entered back into the picture. So in verse 47, it says, while he was still speaking, Judas came and one of the 12 and with him and a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and elders of the people. And now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one whom I will kiss as the man sees him. And he came up to Jesus and at once said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. I almost couldn't finish that, but we'll talk later. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, out of those who were with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew up his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into place. I cannot appeal, hang on, I missed it. <laughs> For all who would take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the um, scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? And at that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, have you come out against 
out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me day after day. I sat in the temple teaching you, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place with the scriptures that the prophets might be fulfilled, and that all the disciples left him and fled. Well, think about this. So, in verse 49, you know, Judas, and we, we talked about how Judas was going to, to show them who he was. You know, how Judas was going to point out to this crowd which one was Jesus. And so he comes up to him and has the audacity to say, Greetings, teacher. And rabbi in this sense in the New Testament was a sign of respect, was a sign of, you know, it's like when you're in college, you know, you don't call your professor Tammy. <laughs> you know, you call her doctor whatever because that's just respect. They're smarter than me. They, But this is deeper. This is like he could have just said, hey, teacher, or, or, or hey, Jesus. But instead he says, greetings, rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. And I have an entire sermon over that set of scripture, just one and a half scripture. That's it. And it's more like a teen lesson, I guess, more than like a sermon. I'm saving it for if a camp ever calls. Right, I may yeah. use it at Faulkner. <laughs> when I speak at the uh, speak at the at the Inspire. Inspire. But guys, I mean, you have somebody who has the audacity to come up and, and show you the utmost respect and then then betray you. And to me, this is even more significant than Jesus being vulnerable to God because now, in this moment, if I were Jesus, I would take a club and beat the snot out of him. But he says, and he doesn't just say Judas, he doesn't just say, you know, hey man, do what you came to do. He says, friend, do what you came to do. And to me that shows you the love that Jesus has for people. I mean, I can't even like, finish saying it. That shows you the love that Jesus has for you. And we betray him every day. We, we, we go up to him and say, greetings, Rabbi. And then we go and do whatever. And he says, my friend, you know, I get it. I understand. Does that not describe to you the love that Jesus has for anybody? He knew when he picked Judas to be a disciple. He knew from that day that he was going to betray him. The entire time, he knew what was. He knew exactly what was going to happen. And if it were any of us, we just we wouldn't have picked him. He's a dud. <laughs> we don't want to be around Judas. But he still picked him to be one of his friends. He refers to the disciples over and over in the New Testament as his friends. And then you have him come into the scene. You see, you know, right before this, he's in the garden. He's upset. He's sorrowful. And he just says, go ahead. Take me. And, and then he, verse um, 51, And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew up his sword, and struck the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. All right, so... Who would that be? Yeah, I would guess. <laughs> it was Peter. He's a little... John's yeah, account says he's Peter. A little, he's a little trigger happy. Uh. <laughs> um, so Peter gets upset 
and draws his sword and becomes violent and cuts off someone's ear. That's a little wild. I would have went for an arm, maybe. Precise. But an ear. And again, Jesus says to him, stop. You know, put your sword back into its place, as the ESV says. Um, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. So he's saying, stop, this is wrong. You know, you're choosing violence in this situation to where I've chosen peace. I'm good. I don't need your help. That's yeah. basically what he's saying. And then he says, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? And I'm going to cry again. I mean, I but I mean, think about he's showing his power. And it's not only Peter listening. But you again, you have someone come in with the audacity to betray the Son of Man. And, and Jesus continues to show him kindness, continues to let it happen. And then Peter does something off the wall. And he says, don't you think I can stop all this? Don't you think I can't stop this? And it shows the choice that Jesus had for you. The choice. You know, he's appealing to his father, well, you know, not my will but yours. You know, I understand. But again, he, he's expressing to them one last shot to show them who he is. Don't you think I can stop all this? I can call a legion of angels and, and this will be done. Over. I can appeal to my father. And then... Then he goes to the crowds um, in verse 55. Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? They're treating Jesus like dirt. Because this is what they do to criminals. That's what he's saying. Have you come out here to treat me like a criminal? Have you come out here with your clubs and with your swords? And, and I was in the temple as he continues to, to teach them. I was in the temple teaching to you. And you didn't take me then. You didn't seize me then. But then again, one more time, but all this is taking place so that way the scriptures can be fulfilled. And so he's saying to them, I've been teaching to you for a while. You didn't seem to have a problem with me then. You didn't seem to have a problem. And you know what? There's probably, there's probably people like Peter in the crowd. And wouldn't you feel terrible? Because maybe Jesus spoke to you and he's teaching to you. And when he was there, you thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And you took to his teachings and, and you told people about it. But then the crowds convinced you otherwise. And now you're in the crowd to kill Jesus. And you sit there and think, how could somebody do that? We do that. Every, every day, we make decisions that, you know, hey, at church it sounded great when I was in worship with other people, but now I'm by myself. And I'm going to do whatever I want. Think about the choice. I want you to think about that. Think about the choice that Jesus had when thinking about you. The will of the Father was... There was to be a sacrifice to end all sacrifices, to end the old law, to, to end everything. 
And the sole purpose of that was you, was me. That was the sole purpose of all of this. And Jesus still had a choice to make. I can either do this or I cannot. And, and we can just, we can be done. We can end all of it. Forget it. Cut our losses. He was human. He thought like a human. He's thinking the same way that we're talking about it right now. But he said, you are worth it. You're worth taking all this. You're worth looking at somebody and saying, you know, though you just gave me the utmost respect and then you betrayed me, he still called him friend. He still called him and respected him. He did all of that for us. And all he asks for is to just try. Just make an attempt to love him. Make an attempt to make decisions that reflect it. Guys, words mean absolutely nothing. They, 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 they don't. Actions show somebody's heart. So think about that. You know, Peter said all these words, I'd never do it, I'd never do it. And then he does. Think about not the way you talk about Jesus, not the way you talk to yourself about how good of a person and how good of a Christian you are. What are your actions? What are, what are you doing every day in the decisions that you make to show him that you love him? Because it takes an action. Because look at everything that he's going through, all the actions and the things that, that he's going through for us. And that choice that he made for us. So. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. I'm sorry, I really wanted to hear what you had to say. So I passed it off to you really quick. No. But, no, that's perfect. Uh, I, I believe that's it. That was a great episode. First one in the new area. Jesus had a choice, and we have another choice as well. What are you going to choose? So, hope you have a great week. Yep. See you later. See you later. <laughs>